Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. I want to introduce to you today BJ Sharp. BJ, if you don't know BJ, he's been in our church for a long time. Um, you might have drove by and say, Iron Faith Biker Church, what's that about? Well, he's the pastor of Iron Faith Biker Church. Uh, four years ago, we started, uh, as he had a, I'm just going to go back a little bit. You can come on up. But a few years back, he started a Bible study specifically for the biker community, and it just kind of blew up and blossomed. And we saw God's activity in that, and we talked with BJ and like, hey, BJ, why don't you just do a full-blown service on Sunday and see what happens? And so... We, we, we opened the building up. They started doing a full-blown uh, biker service on Sunday. It kept growing. It kept being uh, more fruitful. And so working with the activity of God, we said, okay, maybe God wants to do something more here. And so we talked about it. We prayed about it. and said, let's just go ahead and launch this as a church plant and see what God does with it. And it's been three years since the launch. They're still going strong. God's doing amazing things through them. That's great. They're out now. They're, they're wanting to become sovereign. So what happens is we're the parent church. So our board functions as their board. We give them oversight. But we feel like it's time for the birdie to fly, right? Right. Okay. Get on your I Harley. And, yeah, no, it's going to be good. And so they're in process. We're working with BJ uh, of becoming a sovereign church, getting their own board, uh, working in this. And they're in the process of trying to find their own building as well. So please be praying for that. So BJ, we love you. We thank you. And thank you for this word today. Thank you, brother. Well, thank you all. Isn't it good to see Neil back in the house? Yeah. Amen. Amen. I know he's he was anxious to get back and is glad to be here. It's good to get it's, it's good to take a little time off, but it's also good to get out of the house. Yes. <laughs> Very good. All right. So if you're taking notes today, title of my message is "Safe Zone or Faith Zone." I always forget those are words are up there. <laughs> Where are you operating today? Where do you operate at? Do you operate in the safe zone, or do you operate in the faith zone? Okay, so think about that. And it is funny when Neil was talking, we, we didn't talk. I just, I just sent him my notes with what scriptures I was going to be using. And if you have your Bible so you can get a head start, we're going to be in Acts 7, 8, and 9. Uh, we'll be skipping around. Okay, so, but he said, you know, he, he's, y'all are fixing to launch small groups. He's fixing to start a series set apart. Well, if you really want to set apart, you got to get out of your safe zone and get into your faith zone. Okay? Sometimes your safe zone can be your excuse zone. Make all the excuses up of why you're not doing what God has called you to do. Okay? I've been there, done that. But I will tell you this. If you operate in your faith zone, and that's where you operate, that's where you're at. I warn you, 
of this. Because you can go from your faith zone over to the safe zone if you're not careful. Okay? Been there, done that too. Okay? So, we're going to look at two people. We're going to look at Saul, who is later called Paul. And we're going to look at Ananias. Okay? So while we're going through these verses, I want you to think right now of where you are with your walk, with your relationship with Christ. I always call it an adventure because that's, that's what it is. It's just a big, huge adventure. I've never really walked in my relationship. It doesn't seem like I've just been taking a stroll through it. It's always kind of been a roller coaster ride, right? It's always kind of been that way. So we're going to start off in Acts 7, verse 58. It says, Dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Him being Stephen, one of the seven deacons appointed by the apostles to distribute food and charitable aid to the poor members of the community and the early church. Hey, sounds like that guy's a pretty good guy, right? He's just out there and want to help a few people, right? Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. So here we start learning about Saul. So now switch to chapter 8, verse 1. It says, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered through Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. So if you're starting to get a picture of who Saul is, okay? Saul was not a friend of the church, Okay? In today's time, you would fear Saul. You, Saul is not somebody you'd want to see at Walmart, right? You see everybody at Walmart. Saul's not the person you'd want to see at Walmart, all right? You would not want to see him there, okay? He was kind of the first, if you think about it, he started the widespread persecution of Christians back then. He was going town to town. He's putting men and women in prison, beaten. Many were put to death just because of what they believed, that's, that's what Saul did. Kind of makes uh, being a Christian today like kind of like a walk in the park, right? Like, hey, it's kind of easy. I had a tough choice. So y'all woke up this morning, y'all have a choice. And I know what choice y'all made, okay? I can sleep in and miss the first service and come to the second service. <laughs> that's what y'all chose, okay? That's what y'all chose. Or you could have made that choice of, on my way to church, am I going to stop and spend that? I don't know where you buy coffee. Some coffee's a dollar. Some coffee's $10. Depends on where you want to get your coffee from. Okay? But you could have made the choice to walk right in here to the nice little coffee bar in the back they sit up every morning and get you a free cup of coffee before you start church. So it's not bad being a Christian right now, right? You just few few choices. None of them really life-changing. just got to figure out. What service I want to go to and how late I want to sleep in, right? Some of y'all may do that based on who's playing at noon. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. All right. But there's people, even today, and, and luckily, thank God, not around here, there's people that have to sometimes are persecuted for what they believe. But think about the early church. Think about they probably did not walk to church as a group, okay? They probably were cautious around every corner they went to. 
And I'm just guessing a lot of their church buildings or church homes or that where they met in were in secret because they were afraid of Saul. And it wasn't just Saul. Saul had men and stuff. So they were afraid. They probably had, you know, lookouts while they had their service. You know, we don't have to post somebody down the street to see who's coming. To be scared of having a service. Go to Acts 9, verse 1. We're going to go through 22, and then 26 and 27. It says, Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who believed to the way, whether men or women, they might be taken as prisoners to Jerusalem. If there's one thing about Saul... Up to this point, he was committed. Now, he was committed for the wrong thing, but he was committed. So, you have Saul at this point who's committed. You have people sitting in here, y'all are sitting here today. Are you committed? It's a question you have to ask yourself. Are you committed? One thing I always say and it looks like everybody in here is breathing, which tells me you have a pulse and you're still alive. No matter what your age is, from the young to the old, if you still have that, God has a plan for you. God has something for you to do to advance his kingdom. Okay? And it's all different. Okay? Not everybody's called like me to go to the motorcycle world. I was shocked too. Okay? <laughs> I was shocked too. But... If we were all called to do the same thing, we'd only reach the same amount of people. We'd only reach one small group. But we're all different. We're all at different ages. Okay, I, I happen to work in a school. And one of the cool things is when you walk in down the halls, and, I, and it's in every one of the schools, but the one that really impresses me the most is in the elementary. Okay, You walk in there, and I don't know the child's name. They have it written up there. I don't memorize it. But they lead a Bible study. Little elementary kid. Leads a Bible study. Okay? Think about that. Lead a Bible study. Little elementary kid at school. It drives me crazy. I'm ranting here a minute. When people say they've taken prayer out of the school. No, they haven't. No, they haven't. We, if you have a child... You have taken prayer out of a school. I have kids in school too. Okay? So, there is not a law that says your kid cannot pray in school. Okay? Now, there's things in place that people can't come in and lead stuff, but your child can. Okay? And kids have stepped up to do it. So, therefore, when I hear a statement that says prayer has been taken out of school, I'm like, no, it has not. Start building people up to put more prayer in school. Yes. Oh, that's not even in my notes. First, first service didn't even get that. Okay. All right. Where was I? All right. Um, let's go Acts 1. Acts 9 1. Meanwhile, still, still breathing murderous threats. Okay. Drop two and ask for. Oh, we read that. Okay. Three. 
As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice to say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? It's kind of funny he asked that question. Who are you, Lord? Says Saul asked. I'm Jesus. Saul had in back of his name or back of his mind had to know that answer to the question he asked. Because he asked, who are you, Lord? Have you ever tried to tell the Lord or make a comment to the Lord that you already know he knows? <laughs> like, you know, Lord, you just don't know what they did to me. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does know what they did to you. He just kind of, and that's what Saul's saying here. Who are you, Lord? You know, it's kind of like, hmm. It's I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, he said, now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now, I want you to think about this. If somebody comes and kind of bashes you for being a Christian, guess what else they're doing? They are persecuting him. You're not alone in your persecution. When somebody comes against you, you are not alone. They're doing it to you. They're also doing it to Jesus. Okay, so you're not alone. You're not alone. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. So I tell you one thing about Ananias. He knew the voice of the Lord. Okay? He knew the voice of the Lord, and the Lord knew him. Okay? Then the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Now, this is how warped my thinking is here. I don't know about y'all, but sometimes it's the little things in the Bible that really stick out to me. So was there a street sign that said straight street on it? Nobody else thinks about those things, you know, like, you know, like, is that the first road ever named, ever published? Was that one right there, straight street? Oh, that's the way I think. That's the way I think sometimes. And as for a man from Taurus named Saul, for he is praying in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. So we're going to talk about the vision here in a minute. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. So here's that, that, that thing throwing it kind of back on, on God, on Jesus going, but Jesus, do you, have you not heard what he's doing to your people? Like he doesn't know. But this is where Saul, or, uh, Ananias is trying to stay in the safe zone a little bit. He's like, hey, that guy don't like us. That guy don't like us. 14 says, and he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. So he's just kind of reminding him like, hey, did you forget? 
It says, but the Lord said to Ananias, go. Okay? So, I'm going to stop with that. That's a big word. That's a big go. Okay? So, y'all have training coming up today. And if you've ever had in your heart, and you know it's from God, like, you know the no. Okay? You know that you know that God has placed something on your, on your heart to do. But then you want to argue with God. Just stop and go. It'll save you a lot of time, <laughs> save you a lot of grief, save you a lot of trouble, save you a lot of arguing. Just go. So if, if, if today, like Pastor Neil was saying, if, if you felt led to lead a Bible study or a small group, go to the meeting. Go. It'll be such it's so rewarding when you actually step out and get out of the safe zone and get into the faith zone and let God lead you. You'll see wonderful things happen. Okay? You'll see wonderful things happen. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Guess what? So are each and every one of you. Okay? Do you have a choice, though? You can either stay in the safe zone or you can get out of your faith zone or get into the faith zone, okay? <laughs> then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul. I love that, right? Brother Saul. Okay? I didn't grow up in church, but when I come to church, I was... It, 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 it's funny. I've been introduced today, my whole name, B.J. Sharp. It's like, can you just not say B.J.? <laughs> but if you walked into a church, I don't know when I walked into a church, a long time ago, and you walked in, you were always brother, right? You were always brother. I mean, the, the, especially the older generation in the church, they always would walk up to you and say, Brother B.J. or Brother Sharp, Okay. They did that. So for me to see Saul walk or uh, Ananias walk in and say, Brother Saul, kind of got my head tilt going. Was there some hesitation there? Because in, in, in the world that I, that I minister in, in, in the biker world, you walk up to somebody and you call them brother, it's like you're calling them family. It's, it's like you're calling them family. Like, like you're, almost, it, it's, you're, you're, you're closer than blood. In, in that world, okay? But he calls him Brother Saul. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you got to picture who, who Saul is. And, and I hear this quite a bit. Well, you just don't know what I've done. No, I don't. Not unless you've told me your story. I don't know. But I promise you, it's, it's nothing worse than what Saul has done. Okay? And, and, and if, if Jesus is going to use Saul, then Jesus can use you. If Jesus is going to give Saul the Holy Spirit, the greatest tool that we need to do our job in ministry and, and witnessing to people and having that boldness and power and authority that comes with that, guess what? You can get it too. Okay? He's not going to limit it. He's not going to limit to, oh, I do know what you did. Nah, 
You don't get it. He gave it to Saul. Get, if, if nothing else, get that. He gave the Holy Spirit to Saul. Okay? He gave it to Saul. Immediately something like scales fell off his eyes and he could see again. He got up and he was baptized. And when they say baptized, he didn't, he didn't get dunked. He was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Talk about some confusion going on now, okay? People, right? Y- y- y'all, ever, y'all ever know that one person that you kind of grew up with, maybe went to school with? He was that person, okay? But you see him 20 years later, and you're like, what happened to you? Oh, is it somebody else? <laughs> I wasn't going to point him out, man. <laughs> right, right? All this took place. I don't know what the time frame was. I really don't. I wish I did. From the last time Saul actually persecuted a Christian, locked him up, whatever he did to the last one that he dealt with, until he had his encounter with Jesus on, on the road to Damascus, till now he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he was just healed in the name of Jesus. And now it says Saul spent several days with the disciples in the synagogues preaching about this guy named Jesus. They witnessed all this in probably a short period of time. Okay, it wasn't like Saul had left and gone away somewhere and all of a sudden you ran into him 20 years later and you're like, oh, hey, things have been going good for you, huh? No, this is all like fresh in the memories of what's going on. All those who heard him were astonished. Of course they were. And asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? The same name now he's preaching about. Okay? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Talk about some confusion going on now. Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Because if you can take somebody like Saul and turn his life around basically in three days, That's a miracle right there. That's a miracle right there. And I love this part. It says, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the disciples. He told them how Saul on his journey had had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fiercely the name of Jesus. Like I said, talk about some confusion and some like just that look like, what just happened? Right? So we know that he had a fierce hate for Christians. He had a, he had a fierce hate. But in you know verses 3 and 9, it records that Saul's spiritual conversion. That's when he, on, on his road to Damascus, that's when 
Saul really started encounter or encountered who Jesus really was, who he really was. And we know that because he obeyed Jesus's instructions. Of course, I'm guessing, you know, if somebody walked up and they made you blind instantly, you're like, okay, I guess I might want to listen to this guy. But he did what he was told. And then you have Ananias walking up to him and calling him brother. Hey, brother, I know you probably just killed some of my relatives, but hey, what's up? I don't know. I don't know. But calling him a brother would indicate on some spiritual level that he's now a, a believer. Okay? He's now a believer. And Saul seems to be committed to Christ because guess what? He preached fiercely the name of Jesus after the Holy Spirit had come upon him. So maybe there was some, you know, confusion. I know you ever make excuses for stuff or, or think of the what ifs like, ah, that can't be right. You hear somebody, you hear a story, a miraculous story, and then you start to question that story. Well, maybe there's some people that did that. You know, maybe they thought, hey, maybe he was struck by lightning out there on the road. Just lightning hit him. Big flash of light, lightning hit him. Maybe he had a, a mental breakdown, physical breakdown. Maybe he had a stroke, went partially blind. Now he was told, hey, go rest for three days, and his sight came back. That's not what happened. We know what happened. He actually had a true encounter with God, our risen King Jesus. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but has anybody in here had a true encounter, and that's what it took for you to get your life headed back in the right direction? Yeah, I mean, sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes that's what it takes, a true encounter with God. And I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about just that, ah, yeah, I prayed it, and then, okay. No, I'm talking about it took a true encounter with him. It took a true encounter. But when you look at what happened to Saul on the road to Damascus, Jesus knew his name. You know what you have in common with, with Saul? Jesus knows your name. Jesus knows your name. And you better believe that because if he knew Saul's name and what he was doing to his people, he knew your name or he knows your name. Guess what? Just like probably, a, hopefully not currently, maybe a few. Saul was a sinner. Guess what? Unless you were born that perfect person, which I'm, I know he wasn't. There was only one. You were a sinner at some point in your life. Maybe you still struggle with it. Maybe you're still on that journey. Stay on that journey. Stay on that journey. Sometimes we, we, we're on that journey a little bit too long because we stay in the safe zone and we don't get in the faith zone. Okay? When Saul had that encounter, he listened to Jesus' instructions. Listen to Jesus' instructions today. If he has told you to do something, to, to advance his kingdom, then do it. Then do it. It'll be the greatest adventure in your life. Okay? 
Yeah, you could stay in the safe zone. And, and a lot of people in the safe zone will be like, uh, I'm good where I'm at. Because the devil doesn't mess with me. He doesn't bother me. I was like, kind of like, well, that bothers me. Okay, because that just means he's not scared of you. Okay, you're no threat to him when you should be the biggest threat to him. Okay, you should be the biggest threat to him. That's why you need to put your trust in Jesus. Here's something I think is pretty cool. While, while Saul was praying, he has a vision. He knows what's going to happen next. Guess what? If God will do this to Saul, okay, somebody that persecuted his people, who persecuted God's people, guess what he will do for you? He will lead and guide you in whatever he has called you to do. Okay, he won't let you do it alone. You're not alone in that journey. He will be with you. And he starts praying. If you don't know what God, you don't know what your mission in Christ is, if you will, pray about it. Ask him, Lord, what is it? And I'm not talking that little quick prayer of like, okay, Lord, just use me, lead me, guide me, um, whatever you want to do. No, hang in there. Hang in there. Because he's got something great for you to do. He's got something great for you to do. And guess what? You don't have to do it alone. Okay, that's why it's important to get into small groups. You don't have to do it alone. When you get into small groups, it's not like, hopefully y'all, if you've never been in a small group, it's smaller than this group. Okay? Okay? Smaller than this group. This is great. You get to come in, right? For church, you get to stand back there. Drink coffee, eat the little snacks. There's still some back there. Okay? And you get to mingle a little bit, right? Then you have your little little time right after worship, kind of meet and greet. Hey, how you doing? Haven't seen you. You ain't been here in four or five Sundays. Where you been type thing, right? Make you feel all guilty and stuff. <laughs> but when you have a small group, you get to sit down. Usually in a living room or a cafe or a restaurant or somewhere where you can actually get to know the people in your group. And then when you build that relationship, you're building up your faith zone. Because see, you need people in your faith zone to help you stay there, okay? To help you get there, okay? So, so when you start having issues or trouble, Somebody you can call upon that you've built a relationship with and say, hey, this is what's going on. Or, you know what? It's good to call and celebrate with them too. Hey, this is what just happened to me. Okay? Somebody in here is bound to be ready to lead a small group today. Lord speaking to somebody. Speaking to somebody. But maybe you're like Ananias. And have a tendency to avoid trouble and difficult. Maybe you're that person that maybe the Lord has called you to do something and you're like, 
I hear you, Lord, kind of. But I know you can't be talking to me because then you want to tell him all the stuff that he already knows again. Okay? Lord, you know how I am around people. Oh, maybe he wants to get you out of your comfort zone a little bit. Right? Maybe he wants to get you out of your comfort zone. Okay? We want to play it safe because safe is easy. We don't want to take a risk and make ourselves vulnerable to danger. And that's normal. Or maybe you're that person that you've just had some tragic events in your life take place. But I tell people all the time, everybody has a story. Everybody has a testimony. And sometimes your testimony will touch somebody's life long before you try to beat the Bible over their head. Okay? Your story. They may be able to, you tell your story to somebody. They may be able to relate to you because now they're walking through it. And you'll be able to tell them how you came out victorious on the other side of it. How you now live a life with Jesus in your heart. And you give him all the glory for it. Acts 9, 13 through 17. Lord Ananias answered. I've heard many reports. This is where he's talking about it again. About how Saul just did not like the Christian folks. Right? And it's normal that we don't want to step out. And we want to stay in the safe zone. And sometimes it's hard to step out in faith. But just as God came to Ananias in a vision, he answered him, yes, Lord. If God has told you or showed you how he wants to use you and you haven't answered it with yes, guess what? It's not too late because you're still sitting here today. Okay, you're still here today. But Ananias, what did he do? He said yes, but not before he started making all the excuses up, right? Ananias is no different than you or I. He started making the excuses up. You know, Lord, here we go again, trying to tell Lord something that he already knows. Do you know what he was doing to your people? He put them in prison. He killed some men and women. He had no boundaries, Lord. And you want to send me to go there and talk to him? And the Lord said, go. And Ananias just finally said, okay, Lord. See, he had to step out of his, the safe zone, the excuse zone, into the faith zone. Okay? So he went. Right? He went to the house, placed his hands on Saul, calls him brother, and he regains his sight. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't know how that conversation went or what Ananias was thinking when he walked into that house. But I'm thinking he probably was just thinking, I've got to choose my words. Because this guy has come to kill me. Right? I 
I'm thinking, you know, Ananias may have come up, was careful how he placed his hands on him, where he could get into a defensive stance, ready to smack the devil out of him if he had to. Right? Y'all ever witnessed to uh, a delusional person, maybe somebody's on drugs, somebody's on alcohol, something like that? Use a little caution when you talk to people like that because they're not all there. You have to remember, Saul was committed up until his encounter with Jesus. He was committed. And Ananias knew this. Okay? Maybe he was getting in position when he laid his hands on to put the Holy Ghost chokehold on him. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he was bold enough when he heard the words go and he knew the Lord's voice that he said, okay, I'm going. And he stepped in there and just like, Saul, I'm Ananias. I'm here to give you your sights back and fill you with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Sound good? Good. I don't know. But all I know is Ananias went. And he did what the Lord told him to do. And he stepped out of a safe zone and went into his faith zone. And he operated in his faith zone. And great things happened because of that. So maybe this morning, this man, Ananias, and you see how he moved from his safe zone into his faith zone. Maybe some of you here need to do that today. Work on moving into your faith zone. Because what happened, Ananias did this, and he followed instructions of Jesus. Great things happened, not just for believers back then, but for us today. Okay? See, when that happened... When he set Saul free, and he was later called Paul, okay, Paul wrote about 30% of the New Testament. Think about that. Because somebody stepped out of their faith zone, 30, we received 30% of the New Testament because of it. Okay? About 13 books. Because he said and answered, go. Because he answered, go. Ananias was an ordinary person, okay, ordinary Christian, He's not described as a pastor or evangelist or anything, deacon, elder. Somebody obeyed the words, go. Okay, go. So think about that. And this, this can apply for your life too. For a brief moment in history, he became one of the most important people on this planet to carry out a mission that God told him to do. Okay? You... And Ananias, he's looking down on us, I'm guessing. Sure, he's, yeah. He knows the impact he has now, but back then he didn't know the impact he was going to have on us. You don't know the impact that you're going to have on one person or a thousand people or a whole country because you said yes to go. Because you said yes to go. You see, Ananias, and you know who you are, you, you don't qualify, I don't qualify yourself. You don't qualify yourself. God qualifies you, okay? Trust me, did not grow up in church, okay? If you would ask me 
10 years ago, if I'd be standing up here today or I'd be a pastor of a church, I'd have said no. Probably a few other things along with it. Okay? This is true. I would have said no. It took me a while, but I finally answered to go. And here we are today. Okay? So I challenge you to get out of your safe zone and get into your faith zone. Christian, there you are. You said over here earlier. So I see, I'm going to get the prayer team to come up. So I know everybody's ready to go eat. Most of the churches are already out. So just take your time. Then you don't have to get in line when you get there. But on a serious note, if you're operating in the safe zone and you know God has called you to do something greater, which he has. He's called each and every person to do something greater. Okay? and you're struggling with getting into the faith zone, I want you to please come up here and let one of the prayer members pray with you. And it's been a while since I've been here, and there's a whole lot of new faces. So one thing I I, I never like to do is close the service without saying that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please come up and see one of the prayer team members. And don't leave here without knowing and for surely for sure knowing that he is. 